Good morning, good job. Today's daf is daf Tzari Beis. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Adam Gabriel Ben Yaakov and Gilabas Yitzchak Yisrael Halevi. May the Neshamas have an aliyah and their memory be a blessing. It's also for a first time of Adasafas Reina Eidol May she have a complete and speedy recovery. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go, I think we'll go from the... Eleventh last line of Sari Aleph Amodais 91a. So the Gemara is discussing different cases to do with the ksuba and sales and and response. 91b. Did I say a? Um, 91b. Um, different. Yeah. So let's say this first one is Hahu Gavri Dizane Lexubasa de Imei Betogasano. There was a man who sold his mother's ksuba for a token amount. Rashi explains, I'll mention a second show later, but what, what, why we're token amount? So he says, because what, what's happening here? He's not acting on behalf of his mother, he's selling his prospective possibility of having the ksuba. And there are two things that have to line up for him to get his ksuba. What's the, what the two things that have to line up? Firstly, his, his father, or Rashi actually says it's not his father, because then he would inherit the children anyway. Firstly, his mother's husband has to die first, so she gets paid out of Xuba. If it's the other way around, then the husband inherits her and he'll never touch the Xuba. Or, and that's the first point, to line up for him to be able to And the secondly, he has, his mother has to to die before him, for him to inherit Tuxuba. Otherwise, if he dies first, he'll never inherit Tuxuba. So for him to end up with this Tuxuba, that he's selling it to this person, that's the... but that's why the person's not going to pay the full value of the ksuba. He's only going to pay a token amount. The Rosh adds it could even be where it's his mother's, where it's actually his father. And when he, if his mother dies first, he doesn't end up owning the ksuba. He inherits what property in line with the ksuba. So he doesn't ever get the ksuba that he could have sold it, okay, because his father inherits the ksuba, then when his father dies, he gets from his father's estate, but never, even if it's, ksuba's been in Dikhrin, that it's the amount equivalent to the ksuba, it's not the actual ksuba. So therefore, um, that's why this man who's selling to someone else this ksuba, it's only for a token amount. And he says to him, I says, I'm not giving you a guarantee. If my mother comes and complains, I'm not going to refund you, I'm not going to reimburse you. Now, I'm not sure why the mother would complain unless she finds it insulting that her son's uh, discussing selling her ksuba. It means she'll have to get... Uh, it means her husband will have to die. It means she'll have to die. Maybe that's why she'll complain, but I'm not exactly sure what the mother's going to... In actual fact, what's the mother's going to um, argue against? But either way, he says, I'm not, saying, I'm not giving you a guarantee. If my mother protests... I'm not going to say it. His mother died without protesting. So now what should happen? He should give the rights to the ksuba to this man he sold it to. He says, however, he himself protested. What did he say? He says, I inherit my mother's ksuba. If my mother had the right to protest the sale, I also inherit that right to protest the sale. She says, I know a few years ago I sold you the ksuba, but now I'm stepping in my mother's shoes and I'm protesting the sale. Now, what's he saying? Now, firstly, important to realize is, there's a concept of ein adam A person can't transfer something legally that does not yet exist. He does not own the ksuba. So legally, it's not binding. However, what should happen? So let's say me and you do a deal that's not legally binding. So what happens? The deal's cancelled, but I have to reimburse you. So what this guy was trying to say, never mind, I'm not going to go through with what I said and give you the ksuba. And now that's not binding, so you're not going to have any legal recourse against you. I don't even want to reimburse you because that's because uh, I'm acting on behalf of my mother and protesting the sale. So. Are there any obligations attached to the ksuba? Yeah. 
Uh, I use that word loosely. When we're referring to the ksub in these contexts, we're referring to the money that has to be paid up to the wife. I'm not discussing, you know, like throughout the Masetha we've discussed that the part of the, what we call part of the ksuba is, uh, you know, what the husband has to give his, provide his wife with sheikh susfona and the what the, uh, the, what the wife earns goes to the husband and, you know, all those clauses, those responsibilities that we're not discussing when we discuss now the ksuba, discussing the payout of the, the, the ksuba again when what's, and that would be obviously the basic amount, the 200 or 100. And then there's Tosefes, what the husband in generosity gives in. There's certain properties that the wife brings into the marriage that are written into the ksuba that she'll get paid then back in it, paid the value or paid, given them. So that's what we're referring to when we speak about the ksuba in this context. Does, does the, the son have to then pay back the money that the... the, the God paid him. Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to. He's no. saying, just as my mother could protest and cancel the sale, and I did it on condition that I don't have to reimburse you, well, now I'm stepping into the shoes of my mother. I can move my talus. Now the Okay. Um, I can step into the shoes of mother, and just as she could have canceled the sale, I inherited the tsuba with that option and I'm going to protest the sale and you're going to just lose out. Again, a little bit underhanded, because never mind, he was the one who sold the ksuba and now he's protesting, but that's odd. Rami Bachama thought he does take his mother's place, and therefore he can cancel that and not have to play the person. I think Rami Bachama's um, as far as difficult, what was he, uh, why did he, yeah, I guess he does. Technically, when he inherits the ksuba, he's inheriting the rights that his mother had in the ksuba, just as she could protest the sale, so he can protest the sale. That's what Rami Bakhama said. Granted, he didn't accept his mother's akhrais for his mother. Akhrais is like the guarantee. If something goes wrong, I'll reimburse you or replace it. Um, so he's saying, granted, Rami said when he made the sale, he said, I'm not going to reimburse you or refund you for what if my mother protests. But you can't say today, How can you say he's not accepting his own responsibility for it? I sounds what Robert's saying is I couldn't opt out of the sale. Um, granted I can opt out of the sale because it's not binding. As we pointed out, he doesn't own the super when he sold it, so it's not a binding deal. However, he definitely if it's his problem if he's the one triggering the the uh, cancellation, he must reimburse the person. So that's how Robert Paskins. Um, that, that's the one way of, as I've explained, it's the one way of learning the sukya. Rashi gives a second explanation. It says basically, the son sold land that was bound to, that was mishuba to the ksuba. I, that if the mother, if his mother decided to collect the ksuba, remember, a woman doesn't have to collect the ksuba straight away, she can live off the estate with Mazoidas, etc., and at some point collect it. So if she was going to use Oksuba to collect, she would take that land. But he's the son. He's inherited the, the land from his father. And again, until the mother actually comes and collects the Ksuba, and then says, ah, that land is bonded to the Ksuba. It's his land. So that's what he sold. And therefore he's saying, as long as my mother doesn't come and collect the Ksuba, I'm not... Um, I'll sell you uh, that. I'm selling you this land. But if my mother comes and collects a tzuba and this land goes to her, I'm not guaranteeing and I won't refund you in that scenario. Um, and then his mother died, so he inherited the tzuba. So now it's fully his land. And he's claiming um, So he's so, so so he's saying I want to collect this land based on my mother's ksuba. So again, what did he? He sold the land to Shimon, and now he's saying Shimon, I want. I look, I my mother's ksuba. I inherited her. I want that land. So there, Rami Bar Chama says, Oh, well, he's in place of his mother, just as his mother could collect the ksuba and take from that land without any guarantee. So too, 
and he can do that. And Rava comes along and says, no, he would never, he would not be allowed to. He's granted, he's not accepting, he's not guaranteeing it. If his mother comes to collect the ksuba, I shimon. If my mother collects the ksuba and we have to give that land to her, I'm not going to refund you. And remains and is that, but if he actually is the one who comes and takes the land, obviously he'll have to refund him. Again, just to highlight, this person knows he's taking a risk, and that's why, as we started off, he bought the ksuba for Topasana, a token amount. He didn't buy it for its full value. Okay, let's go on to the next case. A few cases where Rabbi Barhama suggests something. It says, So, Ruvain sold the field to Shimon without Achrayos. Again, with, with or without Achrayos means... With Akhraos means, I'll guarantee it. If it's confiscated from you, I will refund you, reimburse you. And without Akhraos, says, I'm not accepting that responsibility to you, towards you. So if the field is confiscated from you, I will not have to reimburse you. So, um, so let's just start that piece again. Ruven sold the field to Shimon without Ahrayas. Ruven says, someone comes and takes it from you, too bad. And at a later date, Shimon sold it back to Ruven with Ahrayas. Now, and the Baal Chov of Reuven came and took it from Shimon. Sorry, came and took it from Reuven. Dinahud Ozil Shimon Mufatile, Shimon must come and literally save him. I, he must I make some sort of deal, but he at the end of the day he has to reimburse Reuven. Um, pardon? What happened here? Okay. While this is jarring is because again Ruven sold it to Shimon without Ahrayas. Ruven says, Shimon, if it gets taken from you, I'm not replacing it. Then Shimon sold it back to Ruven with Ahrayas. What's Shimon saying? If anything happens to it, I'll pay you back. Now one of Ruven's creditors from back in the day before Ruven even sold it. Remember, a creditor keeps his shibut on the land, his bond to the land, however many times, wherever this land moves. It goes from Ruven to Shimon, to back to Ruven, to Levi, to Sacha, you know, it moves around the whole Jewish community. It keeps its bond. So again, so it was bonded when Ruven took out this debt, then Ruven sold it to Shimon without a Christ, and then Shimon sold it back to Ruven. Now again, this is jarring, because what happens? We're now saying that Shimon has to reimburse Ruven. The land was confiscated from Ruven. Shimon told him, I'm selling it with a guarantee. If it's confiscated from you, I'll refund you. And now, and it's Ruven's credit who's causing that. Now, the logic behind Rami Barakama here seems to be if Shimon would have sold it to anyone, let's say Levi. So again, Ruben sold it to Shimon without Achrayos, and Shimon sold it to Levi with Achrayos. doesn't matter what reason it is confiscated from Levi, whether it's because of Shimon, or whether it's because of Ruben, whatever reason, Shimon sold it to Levi with a guarantee. He has to refund it. And arts from Ruben, etc., well, firstly, Ruven sold the field to you without Achrayos. So Ruven's not obligated to reimburse you. But you sold it to Levi with Achrayos. And if it's confiscated, you will replace it. So looking at it from that perspective, now it's clearer. When Just as if Shimon sold it to Levi with Achrayos, and a credit of Ruven would come, so too when he sold it back to Ruven, that same... It's a new sale. And Shimon's guaranteed it. So Shimon will have to replace it. Amalei Rava. Rava says to him, not happy. Granted, Shimon accepts a guarantee against the rest of the world. Do you really think he'll, he's, he's accepting Achrayos from Ruvain's problem himself? I, what triggered the confiscation of Ruvain's land? Ruvain's creditor. He says, granted, Ruvain, I sold it to you with Achrayos. That's from everyone else, not from yourself. And therefore, that's how Robert comes out. I don't have to replace it. Refund you. I would make, he's saying there's a huge distinction between when Shimon sells it to Levi, or Shimon sells it back to Ruvain. When Shimon sells it to Levi, he says, I guarantee it from any... I guess it makes the same thing to Levi. Levi, if it's your fault that the land is confiscated, I, your creditor, 
I'm not going to reimburse you. So, so to hear Ruvain, if it's your creditor that comes along and confiscates the field, I'm not going to reimburse you. But you're right. If anyone else would come and confiscate it, I would because of that price. Oh, he's, that's his, um, I mean, it's his prerogative, how he, the conditions of the sale. Yeah, he's taking a chance. He is taking a chance, yeah. Um, maybe that's why he's more likely to do it back to Ruva, because it's, look, if it's some other external force, ex- not external force here, but an external reason, okay, that's, that's fair. Just like, just like in a normal case, when I sell land to you, if someone, one of my or some other motivation makes gets it confiscated from you, I'll sell it with Achraos, so, so to, to Reuven, but then it also makes sense, he's happy to sell it back to Reuven, because Reuven sold it to him without Achraos, and now, but Reuven's creditors come along and take it, yeah, that's Reuven, you can understand Rava, but not Rami Barachama. Now I understand this as well, because basically he's saying that if Reuven sells it to Shimon, or Shimon sells, okay, Reuven, Shimon sells it to Reuven, okay, and Reuven goes and, um, What's it called? Um, he sells and he gives it to somebody else as a creditor. Once he sells it back, it's only for that could only be for that space because if it was Ruben's problem originally. No, no, no. We're, we're discussing where the loan was yeah, owed to Ruvain before he sold it to Shimon. But he's saying that Shimon sending it back to back to him with guarantees. That he didn't learn, that he didn't... No, no, he's just... Uh, he's not selling... When he sells it with a guarantee, he's not specifying my loans, your loans. He's just selling it with a guarantee. It doesn't matter who's it from. That's what he's saying to Alma. Just not... I'm just not... Shimon said, I'm just not taking responsibility for your yeah. own problems. Okay. Okay. It says, Rava agrees if Ruvain inherited the field from Yaakov. Let's just assume Yaakov's his father. No relatives here except that Ruvain's inheriting it from Yaakov. And then he sold that field to Shimon. And then Shimon sold it back to Ruvain. And a Balchov of Yaakov came and confiscated it from him. Now what's happening here? It's not Ruvain's... Um, it's not Ruvain's creditor who's coming and taking it away from Ruvain. It's Yaakov's creditor, either person Ruvain inherited from. Shimon must go and save him. My timer, what's the reason? A creditor of Yaakov is the same as a creditor from any other source. I'll, let me... Um, I'll give you the obvious case and then we'll slot in that he inherited it. Let's say Levi sold this field to Ruvain, who then sold it to Shimon without Achraios, and Shimon sold it back to Ruvain with Achraios, and a creditor of Levi comes and takes it from Ruvain now. Shimon guaranteed the land, Shimon, to, for Ruvain when he sold it to Ruvain. So it's an ex- it's he, when Levi, a creditor of Levi, comes and collects it, Ruvain has, uh, Shimon has to reimburse Ruvain. So you might have, so now how do we view this field that <coughs> Ruvain inherited from Yaakov? Do we say it's the same as the field that Ruvain bought from Levi? Or is it maybe sometimes we find that a son steps into the shoes of his father? So that's what Robert's teaching us. No, he's not stepping into the shoes of Yaakov. He's a different it's, it's still considered external that by the fact that it's a credit of Yaakov. Even though Reuven inherited from Yaakov, it's the same as if Reuven would have bought it from another guy, Levi or whatever. And then again, after the whole transaction, Reuven selling it to Shimon, and Shimon selling it back, then it would be... Um, it's, it's an external fact that's not considered from Reuven himself. Yeah. Um, something I'm not 100% clear on, but I think we could. I just want to raise it because there was a big discussion yesterday's that is, and we actually had it before, is a, there's a mitzvah on a person to pay back his debts. Remember, our Papa says mitzvah, mitzvah to pay back your debts. And then there's also a mitzvah, but it seems, at least according to Rashi, only a mitzvah midrabah. According to Rashi, it seems to be a mitzvah midrabah that. There's a, um, 
a mitzvah for orphans to pay back their father's debts. Again, there are many, many scenarios where Beisden can't force the orphan. Again, obviously from the father's estate. They never have to they never have to lay out the money, but what they inherit, they should use that to pay off their father's debt. It's a mitzvah. Um, pardon? Might be common. Look, that's if there's a shibud on the land, but let's say there's no land, there's only metal to them. So do they have to use so, But again, that's... And go into exactly what common law is and what's... How, when does the mitzvah kick in? When's it a chiyuv? When is it just a good thing for them to do? And when are they not obligated? That was quite complicated. But here, shouldn't it be a mitzvah for Ruvain to pay back his father's debts? Why should Shimon have to suffer the loss? But I think at the end of the day, the mitzvah is only on Ruvain to pay back his father. Firstly, we're discussing land. So there's a shibud on that land. And Ruvain currently owns that land, not as an heir, but because he bought it from Shimon. And secondly, the debt is satisfied. Why does, once the debt is satisfied, why should Ruvain have to pay the debt again? Okay, but that's something to think about. When does a son have to pay, or an heir have to pay back, pay off his father's loans? Okay, let's go on to the next case. Again, Omar Rami Bachama, another teaching of Rami Bachama. Ruvain Shemacha sold to Shimon Bachrayos. If Ruvain sold the field to Shimon with Bachrayos, and then he said, he changed it into a loan. I, instead of Shimon paying then and there, Shimon says, I don't have cash. I'll pay you at a future date. So now, what's it? It's not that Shimon owes Ruvain money as a loan. While we're emphasizing he changed it to a loan, is that he actually owns the field. The sale on the field is final. It's not tentative. If I say, um, <coughs> I say uh, can I buy your cell phone? And you hand me, and, and then like we're discussing the price, and I say, okay, let me go get the money. The deal hasn't been finalized. But if you say, yes, here we agree on whatever, thousand rand. Here's the phone. And I take it, now I... It's my phone, but I owe you a thousand rand. So, so to mean land might, uh, <coughs> land of a thousand, they might have slightly different things. But that's what we're saying. Again, Ruvain sold the field to Shimon. It's 100% Shimon's field. He just owes the value of the field as a debt to Ruvain. That's what the Zokafal of Bermilva, they changed it into a loan. Well, Mays Ruvain, Ruvain died. And a Balchov of Ruvain came and collected it from Shimon. And Shimon paid him with money. Uh, Shimon said, look, I prefer the land. Your loan is worth X. This happens to be the same value as the field. I'll pay you cash instead of, <coughs> instead of giving you the land. Now, think what, what's going through Shimon's mind when he does this. I'm paying off their father's loan. This field has a cryos. So I'm going to go to the orphans and I'm going to get re- and, uh, sorry, and I'm paying off the orphans' loan, so therefore we're going to be square. Again, I owe the estate the money, and I'm going to use that money that I owe the estate to pay off this creditor, and I'll and then I'll be square with the estate. Says no, dinner who the Amalei b'nei Ruvain the. Sons of Reuben can say to him, I'll father left metaltalin by you. I what did Shimon owe their father? Money, metaltalin. And the money, the orphans never have to use the money of their father to pay a balchov. So therefore, what, in other words, they're saying, we had no land. And therefore when the balchov came to collect land from us, uh, he couldn't collect any money. And now you gave our money to him. You don't have a right to do that. You, are, you still owe us the money that you owe us. Um, again, remember we learned a few Mishnahs ago. Um, Rabbi Akiva said, if you're a creditor, you have money belonging to orphans. You're not allowed to pay off someone who... Sorry, you're a debt. You're in debt to the orphans, or to their orphan's father, and yet so you owe the money to the estate. 
You're not allowed to give that money to a predator. You saw that's what Rabbi Akiva says. Again, because a predator can only take from land of the estate. And that's what the orphans are saying. He says, what do you, you, you can't claim that you used our money, again, the money that you owed us, to pay off that predator. We don't have to pay the creditor any cash. We're not obligated, we're not bound to pay him cash. So that's your own money and your own problem. You're still in debt to us for what you're in debt to our father. It says, now, Omar Rabbi Pikach, Idich, if Shimon is clever, he can save himself. What does he do? When he, he should pay his debt as land. Right? So again, he owes the orphans the money that he owed their father, again, which he used to buy this land. And now, so he gives that land to the orphans. And then he can go and collect it from them. Because the orphans now have land. And, again, the field was sold by Achraios. He's now lost that field. He gets it back with from the orphans. Rab Nachman, and this is like Rab Nachman, Tom Rab Nachman, Rab Rabba Barvo, Rab Nachman said the name of Rabba Barvo, Yesomim Shekavu Karkaba Choyva Savim, orphans who sell land as a, to collect land as a debt of their fathers, Balchov Choyza Vagava Samehem, a Balchov, and a creditor can come and collect it from him. Aye, if at the time of death the estate doesn't have any land, and for subsequently, therefore, the orphans don't pay any of the creditors because the orphans don't have to pay the creditors with metaltidin. If at a subsequent, if at a later point, the land is given to the estate, it was someone who owed money and they paid in land, whatever the exact scenario is, but then the estate does get land, the creditor can come and collect that land. That's what he's saying. And that's what Rob is advising Shimon to do. Guess okay. Shimon, this that you paid, yeah, this, is, this is how I understood it. Um, Let me think. Um, how do I phrase it? Um, yeah. Again, if Shimon is claiming his metaltalin as payment to the Balchov in place of his loan, that's what. That's where we said he can't do that. You can't take money owed to orphans and use it to satisfy a debt because the orphans would not have to pay that money. They never have to pay metaltalin. However, here... What's Shimon doing? He's claiming the land for the price of his field, which he's lost because of satisfying a creditor. Which is, and that's why Robert says he can get out of it using that trick. Okay, now we're going to go into a new case discussing. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, um, a new point, a new case again discussing transfer of land and achrayos and creditors coming along. So I just want to give some points in background. Um, in Shas we view that there's three le- qual- uh, three what's it qualities, three levels of land. It is by known as Viziboris. Um upper class, middle class, and lower class. Okay, exactly how to define it thing, but that's what it is. And basically what it's saying, what a house in Glen Hazel costs. You can get a whole block of flats in uh, in, in, in Hillbrow or whatever. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, or but again, um, so so exactly how to evaluate? Because isn't it? But obviously, a person would prefer <coughs> Idis to Beinonis and Beinonis to Zipporis. A Balchov, what land is bonded to the Balchov? Strictly speaking, the Beinonis. So which means that if creditor comes to you and once and you don't have the cash to pay off your loan so you're going to pay back with land they, they're, they're only allowed to take, or assuming you had multiple grades of land they're only allowed to take from the Bainonis. Either can't insist on it is and you can't insist that they take the bodies they bonded to the Bainonis. Okay, if, you know I should mention, and therefore um, yeah however Whatever land the debtor owes, if he only owns one parcel of land, that's the land that will be used to satisfy the debt. So if, let's say, he owned Idis and Beinonis, and he sold the Beinonis, so Ruvain sold his Beinonis to Shimon. Now what does Ruvain have? Idis. The creditors of Ruvain have to go what's called the B'nai in the free land, not the 
land that is mishtabe, not the land that has been sold. So, and that's to protect buyers. As long as when you buy land, the person you buy for has other land, the bond moves to the remaining land. So again, so let's say I, uh, um, let me just think how to phrase this. I borrow money from Ruvain. Well, no, let's phrase that. I buy land from Ruvain. I buy Ruvain's Bainoinis land. All his Bainoinis land. The, cre- the creditor of Ruvain doesn't come to me. He goes to whatever land Ruvain has. Again, if Ruvain doesn't have land, well, the land I bought was misdubbed to the loan, so he can come and confiscate it from me as the lukach. That's the that's that law. Um, again, the above law is to protect the buyer. This you can't go and collect from land that Ruvain sold as long as Ruvain still has land to protect the buyer. Um, and that uh, that obviously means that what we're going to discuss now, what happens if Ruvain sells it to Shimon who then sells it to Levi? Now Stan, let's say it's the only piece of land in discussion. Ruvain had one piece of land that was bonded to a creditor. He sold that to Shimon who sold it to Levi. Obviously Ruvain can go and get it from Levi. But this point that as long as Ruvain has land, the creditor would have to go to Ruvain, does not apply. Let's say Shimon bought all of Ruvain's land and then sold some of it to Levi. That law doesn't apply because Shimon's not a Debtor, Shimon is a lokach, a buyer. And so to Levi is a buyer. So he can't say to Levi, Levi can't say to him, to the creditor, look, I bought it from Shimon and Shimon still has land, go to Shimon before you come to me. Again, this is all Ruven creditor. So those are the, um, yeah, those are the main points. So let's go through it now. So, oh my rabba. Rabbi said, Reuven And Shimon then went and sold one field to Levi. So let's just, to keep it um, simple, let's say Reuven owed, it is, Beinonis and Ziboris. He owed one parcel of each quality land equal to the debt that he was bonded to. So he sold all his lands to Shimon, and then Shimon went and sold one of those fields to Levi. Asa Balchov to Ruvain, and Ruvain the Balchov comes, Ratzomizegoiver, Ratzomizegoiver. He can choose to take from Shimon, or he can choose to take from Levi. Ratzomizegoiver, Ratzomizegoiver. The law on Ranella, Dezavna Beinonis. This is all where Levi bought the Beinonis. Amazovna, Iris Viziboris. But if Levi was careful and he only bought Iris and Beinonis, Iris and Ziboris, he can say to the creditor, Omar Leila, Hachitorki Vazavni Aridelo Chaziloch. I especially went and bought the land that you're not likely, that you shouldn't really collect from. Yeah, I should have mentioned another point that if Shimon buys all of Levi's land, all of Ruben's land at once, he kind of steps into the shoes of of Ruvain and he owes and he would use the Bainonis to pay the land. So therefore Levi comes along and he says, I bought the land except the Bainonis, leaving it to you to go to collect, leaving the Bainonis for you, the creditor, to go and collect. I think this foreign is it seemed I saw this in Archcrawl, but if I understood it correctly, um, What's the, when the person, the, the creditor, his, on his mind is he'll collect the Bainonis if anything goes wrong. And therefore he's most likely going to collect the Bainonis. And therefore when Levi is careful to only buy from Shimon land that is not Bainonis, he doesn't, um, he's saying, I'm kind of protecting myself because it's unlikely that you're going to come after my land. You're most likely going to go after the Bainonis. So therefore, Chazal kind of give him that buffer and protect him and say, okay, if he left land by Shimon, that's the land the credit will have to take. Again, it's not Shimon's credit, it's Ruvain's credit. Okay? Uvainonis, um, yeah. Uvainonis, And this, if he bought Bainonis, still the Balchov can't come and take the, can only choose to, 
yeah, we're going to limit when can he choose whether he wants to collect it from Shimon or Levi. It says, where there isn't Bainonis equal to it. But if he did leave Bainonis equivalent to it, he can say, I left place for you to collect from Shimon. I Levi says, I bought, okay, let's say there were two parcels of land, each equal to the loan. That Shimon, that Shimon had bought from Ruvain, and now Lady said, I bought one of them. You can say, I left the other one for you to collect from. Um, and that's, that's also valid. Um, yeah, so very interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's the basic view of the Surya. What gets complicated is, is when we're dis- if we're discussing the different qualities. Let's say Shimon has Idis. Again, remember, Shimon bought the land from Ruvain, who's the debtor. So when the creditor comes to collect, he's all collecting to pay land to pay back his debt to Ruvain. So let's say Shimon has Idis and Bainonis. And he sells, he sells the Idis. Then obviously he's left with Bainonis, and that's what we said. Levi can claim, I left Bainonis by Shimon for you to collect. Um, what happens if Shimon keeps the Idis and he sells the Bainonis? Is Levi, is the creditor allowed to go and take the Idis or does he have to follow the Bainonis? Again, obviously where Shimon and Levi both have Bainonis, that's the standard case where we say or where Levi ends up with the Bainonis and Shimon has the Zeboiris, that's where we say he can choose his, his bond was originally on the Bainonis, so he can choose would he rather just get the, the Zipporahs from Shimon, maybe Shimon's an easier guy to uh, deal with, or does he want a mission and get it from Levi? He can choose. But what happens if it's the other way around? So that gets a bit complicated, um, and you, know, you have to analyze. Rashi here argues different to Rashi in Baba Kama, where we have basically the same sugya, and uh, but that's the... Uh, yeah, which is the best quality land? It is. It is, yeah. It is, is the best quality. Bainonis is middle quality and Zeboris is um, lowest grade and alone is bonded to the Bainonis when it's all by the original person. When it's, if he sells all his land, well then the bond moves to the land he sells last because that's what we call Bainai Khorin. As long as Ruvain has land, the creditor goes to Ruvain instead of to one of the locales, so people who bought it from Ruben. Um Okay, just another interesting point Tosfos raised to the top Tosfos on Sari Beis, Amud Beis, and he says, Love Dafka, when he uses the language of Tosfos point, that's not an accurate term, because what that term generally means, uh, let's just look at the case of Ruben who sold the land to Shimon, as long as Ruben has land, as long as there's Bnei Choyrin, the creditor takes from Ruvain and cannot go to Shimon. So even if Shimon bought all the Bainonis and left Ziboiris, who does the creditor collect from? Ruvain and Ziboiris, because Ruvain's the debtor. He cannot go to Shimon as long as Ruvain has land. And that's the correct phrase of Honartili Mokam Livos, I left your place to collect. But when we're dealing with Shimon and Levi, two Lukuchas, that then doesn't apply anymore because, as I pointed out at the beginning, one of the rules is that this, this that they always go to the to land that the um, original creditor has is to protect the buyers, or both Shimon and Levi are buyers. So you can't use that phrase. He said, "Yeah, that's what Tosfos says." There's Labdapka Kamar Haylishna. This it's not precise when he uses when the Gemara uses this language. Why? Because it's only appropriate to use this language by the owners. The loy de kavaisei. Sorry, oh sorry. The loy de kavaisei. and not by the loy kavaisei. Says the ikar time lo have elamishum ma mocharishon asheni calls chush shetovel yoro. The real story here is when the first person sells it to the second person. I Shimon sells it to Levi. He's selling all the rights that he had. He could push into different acheres. Let's say when Shimon bought from Ruvain, he bought two parcels of Bainonis, and the creditor comes to collect from Shimon. Shimon could say, 
I don't want you to take that Bainonis, I want you to take the other Bainonis. It's Shimon's prerogative which Bainonis the creditor takes. So, so to here, when Levi buys Bainonis from Shimon, he's buying it with that strength to choose which Bainonis he takes. That's the real spoiler. Not that he left money by Shimon. He left land by Shimon, because again, that only applies to the original owner. Okay, let's go on to the next case. If Reuven sold the field to Shimon with Achrayos, and Reuven came, a Balchov of Reuven came and confiscated him. Reuven can go and save the land for Shimon, and the Balchov can't say, You are not my litigant. Because Reuven can say, well, when you take it from him, he's going to come and want to collect from me. Uh, very interesting. What's happening here? Generally, you can't act on behalf of someone. I can't go to Beisden for you and have the discussion with the, with the, with the person, the Balchov. The person who, or he's trying to take my, he's trying to take your land. I can't go on your behalf. You have to go. The chidush here is that, however, in this case, where it's Reuven who sold the land with Achrayos, and it's Reuven's debtor collecting the land. Now, granted, who's, who's the debtor collecting the land from? Shimon. So, really, the court case is with Shimon. He's going to base him and say, I deserve that land that Shimon has. Still, that's what the chidush here is Reuven is allowed to get involved because he says, when Shimon, when you confiscate the land from Shimon, Shimon is going to come and claim it from me because I sold it with a guarantee. So I am a litigant in this case because it's all going to come back and it's going to come back to haunt me. So that's why Reuven is not that Reuven has to, but Reuven is allowed to get involved. Again, either way, whether Reuven gets involved or not, if the land is confiscated from Shimon, then Shimon, since he bought the land with a guarantee, he'll go back to Ruvain to get re, re, reimbursed, refunded. Now, the big question here is, what's that vantage? What's Ruvain going to get involved for? So let Shimon argue the court case. Shimon's going to say, is it true that he's a, is it true that he's a creditor and that he has a bond on this land? And Basin will obviously check the documents and look into things, and he will have to, and then he'll confiscate the land from Shimon. What would Ruvain make? How would Ruvain change anything? And that's this long process here. He's trying to work out what's the advantage. What's Ruvain going to say? What's Ruvain going to get involved? Rashi gives two suggestions. Rashi, it's the first Rashi. He says, Maybe he has something to debate. I, Ruvain can get involved. He says, firstly, Maybe he says, look, let's uh, switch. You owe me money. Let's uh, switch it. For, I'll cancel that loan for this loan. Uh, he can, maybe there's some other transaction in the pipeline that he can use to push the creditor away from Shimon. Or he says, take a shvur to me that you have not paid. I, Reuven, think that he's paid the debt, so Reuven can say that. Interesting enough, why many are not happy with the second answer. So what's the second answer? Is Reuven can say to him, take a shvur that you haven't paid. Shimon, on the surface, Shimon can't make him take that shvur. Because Shimon doesn't know whether he's paid or not, Reuven can be confident and say, I know you've paid. I'm sorry, I know I've paid you, and therefore take a sure that I haven't paid you, and then you can collect. Shimon doesn't have that power. But the weakness in this answer is that when you're coming to collect from the Chosim Meshubanim, from um, bonded property, I'm not from the original person who owes you the money, but from the person he sold it to, you have to take a sure anyway. So he has to take a shvur to Shimon anyway. Why he's going to take a shvur? Maybe you can answer. Um, I guess maybe you'll be more embarrassed to lie to Ruvain, who knows exactly what's gone on. Where Shimon doesn't really. I don't know. But or Ruvain did him the huge favor of lending him the money. Sorry, no, Ruvain borrowed the money, so Ruvain didn't do him a favor. Maybe. Um, but either way. Um, that's the big question, is what's the advantage of Reuven getting involved? But either way, how have we explained it so far? It's only where Reuven sold the land to Shimon with Achrayos, because if the land is confiscated from Shimon, Shimon's going to go and claim it back from Reuven, or at least a refund from Reuven. So Reuven says, I am a litigant, and Reuven's allowed to get involved. And some say, even if there's no Achrayos, he can also go get involved. Reuven can also get involved. 
oh, but now he has no financial interest. It's not going to come to haunt him in this way. Ruve, Shimon is, the land was sold without a price, so Shimon's not going to be allowed to get involved. He says, no. The Omar lay, Shimon I don't want Shimon to have uh, complaints against me. Like, Shimon's going to be very bitter <laughs> if Reuben sold him this land. And now it's confiscated because of a credit of Reuben. Shimon's going to have a furibul with you. So Reuben says, I don't want to have this furibul. And therefore, Reuben is allowed to get involved and act as a litigant, even though generally it would be forbidden for him to. Okay, let's do one more case. Let's finish up to the Mishnah. If Reuven sold the field to Shimon without a price, and people come along and say, it wasn't Reuven's to sell. And obviously they bring proof that they were at some point owners. It says, Now again, the case is where Shimon bought the field from Reuven without a price. So if anything happens to this land, he has no way to go to Reuven. Says, however, I say, if he has done a chazaka, if it's before he's done a chazaka, he can retract. If he has done a chazaka, he cannot retract. I has to go through with the deal and he loses out. Because Reuven says to him, You bought a tarred bag. And you accepted that risk upon yourself. I was he saying, when I come to you, it seems to be like a phrase they use, but it's basically saying, you, you, if I come to you and I say, I'll sell you this, what's in this box for a thousand rand. You don't know what's in the box, you're taking your chance. And that's what's happening here. He's saying, I'll sell you this land without achrayos. I'll say, um, you can imagine, things are starting to sound a little bit fishy. Why you, you, you'll sell me this land without achrayos? says, you knew you were, so that's what Ruben says, you knew you were taking a chance. And it's your problem. You bought land without a price when you were taking a chance. Says, now the Gemara says, name was Well, from when is this considered a chazaka? So, from when he walks along the boundary. They used to have their boundaries often weren't walls or fences. They would just like pile up some of the land along the border. So, one of the ways of ownership was either walking along and checking that the mound was still there, either patting it down or pilot stacking it up a bit and firming the land around it or it means walking along the boundary and looking what does the land oh the, I'm, I'm going to have to do some renovations there going to have to repair that here I'm going to have to do oh this is good land for you know walking around the land like an owner seeing what needs to be done that's what Daishametri walking along the border is one of those two now he says so so again once he's walked along the border there's no further way to retract and he suffers the loss if he has not yet done this chazok, he has not yet walked along the border, he can retract on the sale. That's all where it was sold, Shaloi Bachrayos. It says, but, but if it was sold with Achrayos, then he has to go through with the, he has to go through with the deal, the land will be confiscated from him, and then he can sue the seller Ruvain for having the land confiscated him for the refund. I, if there's Achrayos, then he has to go through the normal procedure can't retract on the deal. It says, Some say even with Akhraos he can also retract because he can say, show me your letter of confiscation and then I will pay you. Sorry, sorry. Even with Akhraos he can't retract <coughs> because Ruven can tell him, when you come to me with the court documents saying the land was confiscated to you, then I'll pay you back, reimburse you for the field, but until then I'm not. Now on the surface, the sugya seems fairly straightforward. Has he done a Kenyan? Has he acquired the land with the Chazak or not? A few difficulties here, it's between the Rishonim here, Tososian and Baba Kamen is basically the exact same sugya. So just some of the difficulties. Firstly, acquiring land. What's the Kenyan? Chazak is only one of the ways. Kesef or Shtar. If you hand over the money for the land, or you give a document that title deed, hand the title deed over, those also affect the Kenyan. So why when we say, if he's done a chazoka, then he can retract, or if he has not done a chazoka, then he can't retract. Sounds like it's referring specifically to chazoka type of acquisition, or finalizing the deal, and not Kesef Ushtar. Why not? And a second question is, okay, obviously if no chazoka is done, you can retract. 
I, uh, similar to, uh, I think the clearest example is in the, in the diamond industry, until the handshake is done, you can retract, you debate, you discuss, you say, okay, sounds good, and then you can't, without, without thing, I've changed my mind, that, that doesn't suit me. You can do that until you finalize the deal, until you've done the Kenyan. So what do you mean? If he hasn't done the Kenyan, he can cancel the sale. So uh, another question, this is more just in the style of the Gomorrah, is, uh, what do you mean? The Gemara asks, when does the Chazaka take place? It says, this is an explicit Mishnah in Baba Basra that discusses it. says, how do you do a Chazaka? You either lock the door to show your ownership, or you fix the fence, or you knock a new window in, or you do renovations. Ownership, that is a Chazaka. So what do you mean, when is the Chazaka? It's a Befeish Mishnah, I don't need to discuss it here. We're not going to, every time we mention a Kenyan on land, go to say, and how do you perform a Kenyan on land? We're going to leave that to the Mishnah in Baba Basra. And not only that, it gives Daisha Mitri this walking around the land. That's a weaker form of Chazaka than all the ones that are mentioned in the Mishnah. Might not even be a good Chazaka. So when you go through all these questions, what's going on in the Sukhya? So there are multiple ways of explaining it. I'll just give one explanation. Is that really what it's saying here is a proper Kenyan was done. However, the money wasn't handed over. Okay, So the sale was finalized, but the money wasn't handed over. So Shimon bought this land from Ruvay. He's done the acquisition, but he hasn't handed the money over. And that's what we're saying. What he's doing is, we're saying that really, in the normal case of events, the deal has gone through, and he has to give the money. However, before he hands over the money, someone comes and says, oh, it wasn't Ruvay's to sell you. That's my field. And he kind of proves it, he based it. So there, when he, by the fact he was holding on to the money, and he hadn't done this specific type of chazok of dajametri, what was the understanding between the two parties? Is if any issues arise, I can retract. So that's what we're talking about really where a proper Kenyan was done. And therefore, it's hard to understand. There's almost two levels of finalizing the deal here. There's the initial finalizing the deal of the Kenyan, but he has in mind that until I've given you the money, or until I've done a certain type of chazaka, if any issues arise, I'm allowed to retract. And that's what, um, um, and that's what Daisha Metri is him showing, you know what, I'm confident and we're completely finalized. And therefore, again, because that's a, a, granted it's a weaker type of chazaka, it's a great display of ownership when you're walking around the field and saying, oh, oh, that's a good place to plant wheat, that's where I'll build my list, oh, that wall needs repair, you know, that sort of thing. That's a, that's a might be a weak chazaka and you're not doing anything tangible, you're just walking around, but it's a very strong display of ownership, you know, uh, evaluating the property and exactly what you're going to do with it. So therefore, from that point onwards, it's irretractable and that would be why we're discussing. So we're not discussing a normal chazok, we're not discussing normal Kenyan, and we're discussing a place where the money has not yet been transferred. Again, that's just one way of looking at it. Rabbeinu Tam discusses even where the money has transferred, and we have to reanalyze how we discussed it. And let's leave it to you today. Have a very good, successful, healthy, happy, a healthy year. And I'll see you tomorrow.